Pat McGinn from Camla in South Armagh was the childhood friend of Raymond McCreish. In this episode of Guhunach Dohain, he reflects on their experiences growing up together, on the strong Republican history of that area, and on the impact the hunger strike had on the families of those involved. Well, uh, I'm Pat McGinn, and I would have known Raymond from I was a lad, our first day at school. Raymond was February 57, and I was October 57, and again, I would always be very conscious of his birthdays and that. And we would have sat at school through the um, each year, primary one. The way it was in early primary school, you went from one end of the school to the other, and when you finished at the top end, you were in primary seven. So myself and South Don and Tony Collins and that would have sat together. And uh, that's how I would always know and remember. Ramey, as we called him. Funny, we used to get into debates and discussions about this Ramey Chris. Myself and his mother and family, we've always been very close. And uh, I had to talk to his mum about this Ray. We, we blame the Black Belfast man. And I had to understand it. Uh, when I think about Raymond, I still think of Raymond in terms of my school and my friendship. And that's what, what I can talk about Raymond. But uh, funny, this year with the 40th anniversaries of the hunger strikes, myself and Michael, who would be very close, Raymond's brother, Mick, as people would call him, we, we would be visiting the, the, the so far we've been to uh, Bobby Sands great on on his anniversary and then we're down at, at Francie Cuse's down in Balaka. We just took a spin down to the, the graves just to quietly say hello and uh, just to uh, very quietly remember. And funny, we had our, our, our friend Bernard with us. He was on the blankets and on, on hunger strike. And I loved listening to, to them. My life... Um, but it took me, I, I was a bit of a wanderer. And even when Remy and that died, uh, I wasn't home. I would miss, I, I would always felt very guilty. Number one, I wasn't home. And then I wasn't there for Remy's funeral and things like that. And part of my friendship with the McCrishes was uh, that I, through their friendship with them, I got to know most of the hunger strikers' families. And I, I got to learn what they were going through and, and that. And, but I, we were down at Bobby Sands on the 5th and we were talking and I was listening to Bernard recalling even other comrades of his who had died in the prisons and then Michael mentioned something about somebody's family and I was saying to them you know there are different elements to all our patriot dead uh, deaths and particularly hunger strikers which are very public that um, Remy uh, and that uh, you know he was he was a member of the IRA and he would be fondly remembered by his comrades and remember him even for for is involved with them. He, he went on to, uh, he went into jail and then went, went on the blanket and into the hate blocks and he remembered as, as a hunger striker who gave his life for um, that rather than be branded a criminal and, and his struggle branded that. But I would always say to him, you know, boys, my memories is of Remy of some of the pieces that we got up to. I, I'd be thinking about that. I'd talk to Mick about this a lot, but Probably I would end up becoming more of a, a friend with Mrs. McCrish and the family. You know, if, if Ram was late today, I don't even know if he would give me the time of day because at times he used to do us nothing. We, we were completely different, as I was saying, I was a wonder. But, but we were friends, like everybody in our village. You know, we, we were all very different and, and we were friends. As I said, it can be a very uh, tough time, this talking about Ram. I, I would always be with great pride, but also would remember that, to be fair, 
I learned that from the Christians. They were very quiet, dignified family. And that's why I'd always be very conscious. Uh, I like talking about Mimi, but I have to watch that uh, I, I would never try to be something that I'm not. And I was even recalling, I remember one time at home that I was asked to do something at one of uh, Mimi's commemorations. And I, I remember just before the, I took, I just froze. I was a bit ashamed of it, and then I, I wasn't. I, I just learned that uh, just uh, go easy. And, and I'll tell you why. And this is when I first talk about Mimi, I, I always go back to uh, Taha Bryan's uh, letter, myself and Tommy Lynch. Tommy Lynch would be well known in GS circles, and uh, Tommy was from our village. And when people talk about um, Kamla and about us as young people and all, and um, Tommy Lynch would have influenced us and many others like him. Tommy was GA man and was very committed to the local club, Carrick Club, and myself and Mimi would have played for them and that. Tommy would have influenced us and a lot of people like him. And again, sometimes I hear people, uh, you know, they insult uh, Raymond and they insult people like me and all, near enough to say, oh, um, oh, they were bad times, but we didn't have to do this or we didn't have to do that. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing about what Raymond Chris was. He wasn't stupid. And that was I. And we were born in a village. Uh, the McCrishes come to Camden in 1951. They lived in Dorset. Cullihanna, South Armagh. You have to be careful about townlands. Cullihanna with their Dorset people. And, you know, our village, I'm just talking about the Republican dead in our graveyard. You had Frank Aiken. You have Ramey, you have Brenton Quinn, you had uh, Paul Smith. They're buried. Sean Doan, that was shot, it was a hundred years ago. Uh, he was murdered by the Black and Tans. These people were all buried in our, our graveyard. So, you know, trying to tell us that we, that it appeared, this sense of Irishness appeared like a mushroom and somebody put water on it and it didn't like that. It probably could be said at our age about uh, there may have been defiance as such, particularly when we seen what was happening and the whole thing with the, the military. But let me tell you, Jack Michael Hall, who served with Frank Aiken, Jack was buried in 1964, and I can remember, I remember sitting on the wall in our school with Ramey and Dan, and I remember Jack Michael Hall's uh, remains going up past us, and there was a tricolour on the, uh, when he was past, he, he, was, uh, he was one of the Aikens, Frank Aiken's team, one of his men. And we knew exactly why the tricolour was on. Now, I think then, 17 years later, Raymond's remains went through the village with a tricolour on it. And Joe Michael Hall, Jack's son, Joe, Joe would organise the funeral and that. And I would have sat with Joe again. He was now a person who I would have uh, looked up to and talked to. Again, I used to say to him that I felt so bad about not being home for the funeral. It was a very bad time in my life and that. And I remember Joe... We, we have trees in Camden. Our trees in Camden were planted in 1908. And they were planted by, by a man, Seamus O'Hanlon, who was involved in the Gaelic language revival. He was involved in the GEA, and he was an IRB member. And he, he, he planted the trees in, and, uh, in Camden. The team at the time had won the, uh, the Hornman Football Championship, and he planted them to, to remember it. I remember a whole discussion one time about the which crowd planted the trees? And I remember doing the talk about it and saying, you know, it's not about, it's about what he planted in those trees. We had the crown more the big tree. And uh, Joe Wallace said that he remembered Raymond's cortege coming up the road and he went into the village and the silence of the village 
but that he could, he could hear the, the, the leaves blowing in the big tree. And how I knew he was right, my granny's house, I was stayed with my granny for many years, and my granny's house um, is only 30, 40 yards from the big tree. And as a kid, I had been enthralled by this. And then I remember all saying to Joe, well, you know, Joe, I was at a funeral. Myself and Tommy did uh, a wee booklet in for the 20th anniversary, and we just tried to ask different people to give some of their memories. Now, Tara Brown wrote a letter for us, but I'm just going to read it, uh, because this is... This is why we are honouring uh, Raymond McChrystal and remember him and his comrades uh, and their families this weekend. At the beginning of 1981, after almost four years on the blanket, Raymond took his first visit from our mother and father. My mother didn't know him. His hair, which used to be fair to light brown, was now black. The only facial feature that she recognised was his teeth. When he told them of his intentions of going on hunger strike, my mother began to cry. Raymond said to her, don't be crying, mommy. Hold your head high and be proud. I said mass in H block five around the time he was making de his decision and spoke to him after mass. My fear had been that after being in such a confined and unnatural conditions for so long, he would be in a f not be in a fit state of mind to make a decision of that importance. I was amazed and reassured to find him so clear in his mind and so calm and composed in his decision and determination. He remained calm and composed all through his hunger strike of 61 days. On my visits with Raymond, we always spoke in ours. I had made a speech at a rally in tomb saying that my brother is not a criminal. The next day, I took in a copy of the speech to show it to Raymond only to, to discover that by, at this stage he could not read it, his sight had deteriorated so much. He told me how he had listened to Bobby Sands dying and knew that he would be going through the same. He spoke to me about the arrangements for his funeral. His wish was to be buried in Kamla, in the cemetery right beside where we live. We did not have a family plot there. The Republican plot was a commemorative plot. He didn't even consider being buried there. He wondered whether he could be buried in the plot of her great-aunt Rose Sands. In the event, he was buried in the Republican plot. Pope John Paul II had sent a special envoy to the hunger strikers to ask them to come off. This was Monsignor John McGee, a native of the Newry area. Although he was not aware of it, my mother had worked in their house and had nursed him as a baby. Raymond told me that the hardest thing that he had to do on hunger strike was to say no to the Pope. Two days before he died, I said mass in his hospital cell. Raymond had been in a coma for almost two days. At communion, I blessed him with the host and he opened his eyes, looked around at my mother and father and other family members, called them by name and lapsed back into unconsciousness. It was the last time he spoke. On a previous visit, when he had become very weak, after the prison warders told us the visit was over, I said some prayers in Irish. As we said goodbye to him, Raymond raised his hand and said in Irish, We will win yet. Those words are now inscribed on his gravestone. My father Brian wrote that uh, 20 years ago, and it sums up the Raymond McChrish that I knew. I was laughing. Jazz McCann has a book out, and he, he talked about meeting Raimi and, and some of them and he said that 
he thought that these boys were in to make a deal that they were talking about the, the way he dressed. I think it was Martin Livingstone, an ex-prisoner, wrote in uh, to make me serve my time, they called Remy the Squire because he dressed so well. But people didn't know that. That's the way we were reared. My granny would have beat the beaky if you, if you got up and did, number one, if you didn't go to mass. And the second was, you know, if, if you went, see a t-shirt and stuff. I, I was actually walking in the creek often volunteering as part of the GA thing in, in the vaccination centre uh, on Sunday past. And funny, I was looking at all these people coming in and I was saying, God bless us, is that the way people dress on a Sunday? So again, I go back to what cut us, what made us. And you know, a lot of the, the, the people, um, Josh and I would talk about Raymond's uh, strong faith. And that's the way we, we were heard and we accepted it. It didn't make us that we wouldn't, uh, we didn't question, you know, uh, but we would still have this. I spent my life, particularly with my and home, a lot of time up in the house. I had lost my mommy in 1976, and that was the last communication I got from Raymond. He had been sentenced then in March 76. You know, they were, Ms. McChrish was my mommy, you know. Raymond would have called me uh, wee Pat McGinn. I used to laugh about this, like he was no bigger than me. One of the things, when I think about Raymond and Dan and that uh, we would have, we knocked about. Remy played football up to he was sixteen. I, I would have noticed um he loved snooker and the billiards. But I I, I would have known uh Remy would have never talked about his involvement in anything. And he's sort of boy like they wouldn't have told you about a pity last. But I was his friend and I would notice things had changed. And I would notice that um I wouldn't have seen Raymond as much. See up particularly after he was seventeen and that even we went on to be with Carrie Crop and Minor team that won the, the championship. Now, I was no ward beater, but I was still part of the team. But Remy, by that time, his, his time would have been taken up. Whilst we were childish and we were doing old silly pieces, he was so mature, and I'm coming to see that now. And when I read about people that met Raymond in jail and all, I remember he went into jail when he was 18 or 19, like a whole lot more. You know, um, when I, but I read that, I says, well, I, that's the boy, you have him. I would have been taking a bit of beer and stuff even at that age. I could never settle. My ma used to say there was a bit of a want in me. And uh, I would have went away to the Isle when I was 14. I would come back home and uh, I would have knocked about with the boys all right. And then I would disappear again. And he would be on about wee Pat McGinn. And it ended up when I went to live in London that I would have stayed with his relations. And Big Patsy, his brother, would come over, but his relations up in Leeston and Tallinnfield Avenue. The day Raymond was sentenced, it was in March 76, I was with Patsy, his brother, and he phoned from the, the phone box in Leedston, next to the spotted dog in Leedston. How do I remember that? I can remember it oh so well. I remember Patsy starting to cry over the phone, and I'm with him. And again, I've always learned, there's times keep your mouth shut. That's sometimes just listen to people. I remember my putting and Patsy was big and put my hand up to him and, and Patsy told me, I think it was 14 years ago, or something like that. I says, look, what did I tell you? He'll be out in a few years, he'll be all right. The weekend in February, the Remy told his mummy, and that, that's why this means so much to me when I read Brian's account. I, I remember this so well about a mother going down. The mother who heard her kids and that's what she didn't even, she said to me, I remember she said to me, you know, Pat, I didn't even recognise our Remy. I remember that I had been home for a weekend and Patsy came down to the village. I was sitting in Doyle's corner. He was asking when I was going back and says, would you go up to me, ma? And when I went up, uh, the next day it was a Sunday. She had visited him on the Saturday and, and 
But I remember leaving, and, and Alf just, just said to me, Pat, Raymond's going on hunger strike. And uh, that's all she said. She just put her hand on my hand. And I, I didn't say nothing. And then I certainly knew that this time, that from when the day he was sentenced, where I was naive enough to say, look, he'll be out in a while, that uh, I knew that this time it was going to be different and things wouldn't work. You know what I mean? Could have went either way. The, the photo that you would always seen on Raymond's poster, at the time then, when, one of the time, when, when Raymond was in the, the middle of his uh, hunger strike, and I then actually was over in Jersey in the Channel Islands, and Malik and they would have sent me posters and stuff, and it was so tough. I remember phoning Patsy. There was no Zoom or respect those days. And they would always let, I would have phoned every week. But I remember I said, Patsy, I'm coming home, and Patsy had known at the time was taking the time and doing a few stunts, and he would say to me, you know, like, things are bad enough. Here, without you appearing. He would call me wee pot, and in his letters, it would say, it's wee pot and nothing, it's wee pot and this. And he was no bigger, but I'll, I'll tell you what I did learn about him. He, he would have a quick enough wee temper, and you, you would have got a nip off him if you needed it. They weren't much older than me, but I would have looked at it. I mean, I would have, I remember Remy wearing up me one time. I had a, had a few drinks in my, and I had been selling tickets. They were raising some money. And I remember I had a few drinks and I was in one of the pubs selling tickets and maybe give me a whole alligan the next day. You know, but I looked up to him. I, I did. There wasn't fear, it was respect. Remy's photo in the first poster, the 81 poster. Again, great influence and great friends. His Brent Lewis and Master Harry O'Lewis, 80 O'Lewis, would have been very, click in the Irish language, big into our culture and all. And these were people we would have went and went for our Irish uh, lessons and that. But Raymond, there was a photograph taken that night down in Lewis's, and that's it. And again, you, you couldn't really find too many photos of Raymond. Uh, that they were taking uh, John Fern, there was Brenton Lewis, uh, Master Lewis, and Eileen, and Bill Lewis, Brenton, Car Moore, Raymond, and the whole lot of us. And that's the photo that they used. Sunday nights, he would have come, we would have went to the Lump of McCards in Ravensdale. And then Raymond would, and Oliver Dorn, and Dan, Dan never drunk. Him and Dan were very close, Dan, that doesn't deal also with them. They, they were very close, but they would have went to the Lump of McCarles. Then on it, and you're in the Labour Club. You know, if their ma had a new, they were in the Labour Club. And I, I'd always, my, my uncle, Terry Boy, Terence, and they called him Shillings, because he would go on the drink, and he would ask you for a bob. But, you know, he uh, really loved them, and I remember one night, Terence had a few drinks, we couldn't get a lift and Oliver Dorn was going home and his car was full and Remy and Dan got into a boot to let Terence get into the front of it. But I'm going to read you a quick letter uh, from from Remy that, that come in 79 and it sums up and 79 is Mick McChrist and me talked about this letter and it was a rough year for the, the men and women inside the, the prisons. And yet in this letter Remy gives us he's well ahead of what's going on outside and also Again, it ties it down. Remy was just an ordinary fella. He says, Ahara, uh, I hope this finds you keeping okay. I got a letter from home yesterday and it was a shock to hear that Matt McCardle, the lumper, who I was talking, was dead. Do you ever go up to it now? It used to be all the go on a Sunday night. As you know, the SAS trial is over. Some of them got off late. I heard that the boatmen will be coming to a higher court with their case claiming they were in international water. Then it goes back to, well, that was very bad for a while. As they would say in Chamla, it was brass monkey weather. It was that cold at night that you couldn't sleep. The water in the water to loon used to be frozen in the morning. 
I suppose you heard all about the baths and the haircuts. They have done hits three and hits four, but haven't done this block yet. I don't know what they are for doing. They give out a lot of beatings during that period, but the beatings seem to be less frequent now, touch wood. Paddy, that's Paddy Quinn, is now in hit six, along with about a wing full of blanket men that they have picked from hits three, four and five. Mostly all the ones they have moved to hit six were on our command staff in the blocks. Part of a new move to break the protest, they seem to be trying to isolate the men who they think would have any influence over the rest. They seem to be trying a couple of other wee things as well. I don't want to be saying, you know the score. <laughs> the number of blanket men is increasing and we seem to be well ahead in the propaganda war. How did the meeting in Derry go for Bloody Sunday? Is there much happening around home in the way of protests and the RSE committee? And then he was asking, did Emmett go ahead with that course in Queens and did Brent Lewis get a job yet? Just <laughs> Tell him I was asking, and I'm still walking away at the Irish, but the more you get, the more there seems to be to do. It passes the time at least. I suppose you heard about the new strip and Mara searches they are doing on us. They also go over your whole body with a metal detector and circle her mouth and ears. This is the search used coming back from visits and during wing shifts. As you can see, they are fairly rough, but no matter, you know what the man said about those who endure the most winning the day. I haven't heard from Don in months. That was Don's friend and comrade. Myself and Sean and McKenna, Sean McKenna, a good fella. And there are still only two locals in this block. Noel, that's the late Noel Quinn, we would have called him noisy because he was quiet, is in H3. McCoy is in H4, he's from Cross, and Paddy in H6. What way is the football going this day? How is Ramrod keeping? This would have been Paddy Lynch, would have been very close to him. Tell him and Tommy. I was asking. I suppose they're still drinking away. Is Joe doing much in the trade nowadays? That was Joe McIntyre's pub. I would say the new club was doing a lot of harm to the pubs in the village. There was a new drinking club open down the road. He was well informed. Did James Powers get the licence back? It's a sort of code for running around on the bicycle in this weather. James was an old Republican and he also asked, is he still marching away as strong as ever? One of the ten cards I got at Christmas was from Terry Boyle, that was my uncle, old Terence. He's not a bad old sir. Last year I got one from him and McCann. This was and an old Republican, Frank McCann. The last time I saw McCann was in Crumlin Road. I got caught one Sunday trying to get him a drop of tobacco and had to spend a couple of days on the boards. If you see either of them, tell them I was asking and stand them a drink for me. There is that many I should mention here, but I would need to keep the whole the whole roll of bog roll to give you them all a mansion. You must tell them all around Camla I, I was asking. I hear Dorn, that was to spend Albert Dorn's back from Canada. Two years he was away. What about that house of his? Has he finished it yet? Did he get the license? Or is there a shortage of petrol in Camla during the petrol strike? There should be no problem getting it across the border. If you see my ma, tell her I'm keeping the best and will write as soon as I get the chance. I will have to finish now. I hope I haven't bored you too much. All the best till I hear from you. Special Master Bahara Raymond. You know, it's, um, it's, it might sound personal, I'm saying what, you know, but I think anybody listening to that would uh, say to me, well, now I know Raymond McChristopher, you know as a, as a kid, I went through with him. Somebody who was an ordinary person, who was a life's events and his own desire to um, for Irish freedom and, and uh, for liberty, that it took him to the ranks of the IRA 
and then that he, he, he ended up in prison and rather than be called a criminal or let the struggle that he was so proud the noble cause of Irish freedom be criminalised you know he, 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 he died and I would miss him I miss him now uh, talking to you sometimes we all need to remember that's who they were they were ordinary human beings but called in to do uh, some very extraordinary uh, things. I'll finish with uh, a wee poem that was anonymously given to us, Memories of a 12-year-old. And why I'm saying it, a, a young girl who I um, I actually taught. But this young girl stopped and asked me, um, she said her daughter had, had looked at the, these commemorations and she was wondering what it was, what to tell her. And I said, you know, just tell her the truth. And I said, no, better still, get your mummy to tell her at this age all day. This 12-year-old, we printed this in our 20th anniversary booklet that we've done, we put locally, and uh, I, I just think it's, it's, uh, it's a way to end. Doyle's Corner we gather, march with my father seeking five demands. Banners held high, spirits good, hope alive. The enemy watching, hateful days, battens, guns, land rovers, ITV, BBC, RTE, Watching, sporadic trouble, nothing too heavy. 30,000 boats, she can't let them die, still hope. Candlelight processions, chance. Unlock hates block. What do we want? Political status. When do we want it? Now. Jerry Fit is a Brit. Still my mother wakes me up. The sound of bin lids. Disbelief, despair, anger, confusion. Hope has died. Women crying, men crying, rosary beads and prayers. More tears, the year of tears. Maggie on television, anger, hatred, disbelief. The smell of burning rubber, masked men, petrol bombs, gunfire, news flashes. Wishing I was older, feeling helpless. Raymond's funeral, huge crowds. A mass of pride, controlled anger. Respect, reverence. Volunteers 303's the final salute. Ten men dead. I accept their legacy. Hope is reborn.